for any first-time guests who might be with us this morning, or for those of you who are fairly new here to Lebanon Christian Church, and you're looking up here and wondering, who is this guy? Or for those of you online who may be joining us for the first time and say, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm not sure who this guy is. Let me introduce myself. My name is Kurt Alexander. I've been on staff here at Lebanon Christian Church for about 15 years now, just a little over 15. And I currently serve as the uh, Connections and Discipleship Minister uh, here. And so um, I think you should know that I'm married to the beautiful Denise Alexander. And uh, she serves alongside of me in many ways. And it's no secret that I did marry up, okay? And I will introduce you to some of the rest of my family uh, in just a few minutes by some pictures and things. But uh, anyway, I just wanted you to know that that's who's speaking for you today. Um, before we get to my the rest of my family and to the message, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, would you speak to us today through your word? By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a will to obey you as you desire? In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be spending most of our time this morning in Matthew chapter 11, so if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there or you have a device that you want to find that on, Matthew chapter 11. And while you're finding it, I need to go ahead and set the scene for you a little bit about uh, what is going to be happening as we go through uh, Matthew chapter 11. But while you're doing that, if you can quickly show me by a show of hands, how many of you would welcome uh, someone offering you to say, hey, let's take a walk? How many of you might say, yeah, okay. All right, now I know that's, that's maybe a loaded question for you because you say, no, wait a minute, I don't, I'm not sure where you're going with this. And so... Uh, it might be a little loaded, but it depends on who says it, and it depends on the tone in which it is said, because there's a lot of reactions that can happen. Maybe you get to say, yay, we get to go outside, or maybe you say, ah, I get to spend some time with you, or you say, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, or you say, Let's take a walk, and somebody says, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Or it makes me tired just to think about it. Now, we find evidence of God taking a walk with the people who will walk with him all through Scripture since time began. God walking in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. Later, we see God walking with Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, where it says, Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. And God walked with Noah in Noah chapter 6, verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. God walked with Moses and the Israelites through both the good times and the bad times. He delivers them from bondage and slavery out of Egypt, and then he takes them into the promised land. And God continues 
to walk with his people throughout history there in the promised land uh, as he walks with them through the prophets that guide them, that warn them, that give hope to them as they're taken captive because of their disobedience into foreign lands again and then back home. And then comes what's known as 400 years of silence. And it's known as that 400 years of silence because as far as we know in that time, there's no record of God raising up any more prophets or anything or speaking directly to his people Israel. It's not that God has disappeared, but I think that maybe it's that God was walking silently with his people. And the reason he might have been walking silently is because they refused to listen to him. They refused to hear what he said and then live obediently to what he was telling them to do. The silence is broken, though, as John the Baptist and Jesus come on the scene. And as they come on the scene, people begin to notice because it seems like these two men walk with God. And when we get to Matthew chapter 11, uh, I'm going to walk you through the first few sections of Matthew chapter 11. You can follow along there in your Bible. We won't be reading it word for word, but I'm going to kind of give you a synopsis of what happens. We find in verses 1 through 19 that Jesus has just sent out his 12 disciples to do some of the same things that he's been teaching them to do, to spread his word and to actually do some miracles of healing and so forth for the people that uh, he sends them out to. And so he sends them out in different directions. And then Jesus, in the meantime, goes to the region of Galilee, and he begins to preach there in Galilee to the people uh, in that region. And so uh, he's doing that, and while he's there, John the Baptist sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus and has a question for Jesus. They say, John wants to know, are you the one, are you the Messiah from God that we've expected, or should there be someone else? Should we wait for somebody else? And Jesus' answer to him is simple. Just go back and tell John what you've heard and what you've seen. Report to him the evidence of what is happening through me and through my ministry. And so Jesus gives them that instruction. Yet even while he's doing that, there were those around him who weren't satisfied with either the way John did things or the way Jesus did things. John did it one way, and they griped and complained. Jesus did it another way, and they griped and complained. It didn't matter which way it was being done, they complained about both of them. And so Jesus turns to the people next who were from the cities where he had just been preaching and so forth. They'd gathered around because as he continued to preach and as he moved on, people would follow him and they would start gathering around because they would love to hear his teaching because he had this amazing teaching. And Jesus begins to uh, talk to those people and he begins to uh, call out those people from those cities where he'd done the most miracles. He had done powerful miracles and given powerful messages in their sight. And yet, they refused to go all in and to trust him. They refused to change their thinking. 
they were content to keep thinking that somehow, some way, they could have a relationship with God apart from a loving relationship that was obedient to him. And so that's how they continued to live their lives. No matter how wearing it was on them and no matter how they failed, they were too proud to admit that they couldn't do it on their own, that they needed help. And then we see in Matthew 11, verses 20 to 24, that there's some mounting frustration that Jesus begins to voice. Jesus is frustrated. Yes, even the Son of God gets frustrated. And he's frustrated with those who are confused about who he is. He thinks it's very plain who he is, and he's, so he's confused, or he's frustrated with those who are confused. He's frustrated with those who refuse to believe him or to trust him. He's frustrated with those who refuse to change their mind. He's frustrated with those who are hard-hearted and never satisfied with how he works. Jesus is frustrated. He's frustrated with the lack of a positive response in the face of overwhelming evidence that God is at work. He's frustrated with those who want to experience the blessings of God without obedience to that message. That's when Jesus gives an impassioned prayer and it's followed by an impassioned plea. And I'm going to get some help this morning from uh, the video series, The Chosen, uh, from a scene in chapter 3 where it shows Jesus giving this impassioned prayer and this impassioned plea. Watch this with me if you would. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. From the wise. Yes, Father. For such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And I am revealing the Father to you now. Jew and Gentile. What is stirring in your hearts in the middle of such division and unrest is Father God being revealed to you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light the first five words that Matthew uses in this passage right before Jesus gives this prayer and this plea are five simple words. He says, at that time, 
Jesus said. And you might think, well, what's the big deal about that? It's because just before that, Jesus is voicing all this frustration about how people have responded to him. And in the midst of his frustration, at that time, Jesus said. And so if we're not careful, we miss a great character quality of Jesus and something that we can learn for our life right here. Jesus intentionally connects his frustration to the praise and the thanksgiving of God. And he humbly reaffirms God's wisdom in his plan. Even though Jesus is very frustrated with what's going on, he gives praise and thanksgiving to God. And he, and he reaffirms that God is wise in how he has laid out his plan and how it is all coming about. And then Jesus also reaffirms his desire to continue joining his father in his work. And again, we can learn a tremendous lesson here. We can learn that in our frustration, when we find ourselves frustrated about something, find the connection to give God praise and thanksgiving. And then affirm or reaffirm our desire to join him in what he's doing. Join him in what he's doing. And after we see Jesus voice this frustration and voice this praise to God, then near the end of Matthew 11 and verses 28 to 30 is where I want to spend the rest of our time this morning. We just heard Jesus says, he said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened. And that's the invitation. The invitation there in verse 28. Jesus is saying, let's take a walk. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. The reason that the people were weary and burdened and the reason that you and I are weary and burdened is because of the spiritual battle that rages around us each and every day. It's a spiritual battle where we're having to make choices, as Craig talked about as we went through the book of Proverbs. Choices about whether we're going to choose folly or whether we're going to choose wisdom. God's way. We have that going on every single day around us. We forget sometimes when we wake up that we're in a war. But we're in a war, folks, a spiritual battle each and every day. And Jesus invites everyone, everyone. He invited everyone who was there that day to take a walk with him. He wasn't leaving anyone out. He invited those he, was those he was frustrated with. And the reason he invites those he's frustrated with is because he knows that it's only through him that they'll come to know and fully trust God and submit to his authority as king of the kingdom. You see, Jesus doesn't pummel people into submission. He invites them. It's a relationship that he invites you and I to as well. He invites us to come to him. Every day, Jesus beckons us to meet him in the living, active word of God. Every day, he says, come to me, 
all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He wants to spend time with us, with us taking in his presence, with us taking in his wisdom, with us taking in his power so that we can live the kind of lives he wants us to live as we walk with him. He's right here every day, and he calls us to come to him. After the invitation, the next thing that we see here in Matthew 11 is the challenge. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. This yoke that Jesus is talking about is an illustration that he uses because it's a sign of servitude. A yoke is a wooden frame by which two animals, such as oxen, are put together and they're coupled at the neck for the purpose of pulling a heavy load. And here's just some uh, information that I thought might be helpful for you as you think about this and think about it as it applies to human beings. We're going to talk about oxen for a minute, but think about it as it applies to human beings uh, yoking up with Jesus. The two animals walk side by side in order to carry a load that one can't do alone. It's a heavy enough load that one can't do it alone, but side by side the two can do it. A yoke makes independence impossible. One can't do their own thing. They have to work together to pull the load. Typically, a young, untrained ox is yoked with an older, trained ox. And the younger, inexperienced one learns from the older, experienced one. Now, if a trained ox can pull 5,000 pounds and an untrained ox can pull 2,000 pounds, then together they can pull not 7,000 pounds, much more than the sum of the two. They can pull 10,000 pounds together. Now, that's just with a trained ox and an untrained ox. Together they can pull the 10,000. You take an untrained ox once it becomes trained and once it begins to fall in step, with the trained ox already, then they can pull 15,000 pounds together. Much, much more than one can pull alone. But Jesus is not only giving them this familiar illustration that they'd understand with the yoke of oxen, but he's also given a double illustration. Because for a rabbi, the yoke is his interpretation of Scripture what it means, and how to live it out. And so often the rabbis of Jesus' day would lay on the people uh, these overwhelming burdens that they had to carry, these heavy burdens making godly living very difficult for them. They would make obedience to God dependent on some type of uh, self-righteousness that they would have to carry out. And so the people would keep trying and trying and trying. But Jesus' challenge comes because he's invited people to walk with him. There's an invitation that happens. And then he says, come to me, walk with me, and you'll find rest. So in our disciple-making training, we have some tools 
that we help people uh, learn so that they can understand how to grow as a disciple. And then they can also understand uh, how to live in the way that Jesus has taught us to live and see what Jesus has modeled so that we can live that out as we make disciples who will make disciples. And so I'm going to have the uh, invitation challenge put up here. And you can see this uh, is two continuums. There's the invitation continuum that is the vertical line. There's low invitation at the bottom of the line, high invitation at the top. Then you see the challenge continuum, which is the horizontal, and uh, there is low invitation to the left, and there's high, or I'm, I'm sorry, low challenge to the left, high challenge to the right. And so when those two intersect, you get four different quadrants that are going on. And let's talk about each of those quadrants real quick. First of all, let's start up in the uh, upper left. And in the upper left, you'll see that it is high invitation, but it is low challenge. It means that somebody's very welcoming, somebody's very inviting. Hey, come spend some time with me. And we usually respond favorably to that kind of person. But it's low challenge because they're saying, come spend some time with me, but there's not a whole lot expected of you. Just show up. Just show up and be there, and that's it. And so we're like, yeah, I can do that. I can, I can hang out with that person. That's, that's no big deal. That quadrant up there is known as the cozy quadrant. And that's where a lot of us like to live our lives, in the cozy quadrant. We like people to invite us and, and uh, be very inviting and welcoming to us. And so, sure, we'll hang out there with them because there's not a whole lot expected of us. Then we come down to the uh, lower left. And in the lower left quadrant, there is low invitation and there's low challenge. This is where there's not much of a relationship going on. It's not very welcoming, not very inviting, and there's not really anything that's expected of me. And this quadrant is known as the bored quadrant. People get bored in this quadrant because there's no relationship and there's nothing to do. And so I'll just check out for a while because I'm kind of bored with all this. And then when you go over to the lower right quadrant, you see that it is low invitation, but it is high challenge. It's not very welcoming, not very inviting, but there's a lot that's expected, a lot required. And so... uh, Maybe an example of this is this morning, if you don't know me very well, maybe if you do know me very well, uh, it could still be the same thing, but uh, maybe you're thinking, hey, Kurt, I don't know you that well, but you, you're putting out here a high expectation, and, and uh, that kind of stresses me out. That's why that quadrant is known as the stress zone, all right? When we get stressed when we live where there's low invitation, but there's a high challenge, there's a lot expected. And then we go to the upper right quadrant, and there is high invitation, and there's high challenge there. The invitation is very warm, very inviting, very welcoming, and saying, as you come into this relationship, I have some things that I want to accomplish. I have some things that I want you to do, and there's a challenge that's laid before you. And that's what Jesus is doing here in Matthew chapter 11. He's invited 
people into the relationship with him already. He's invited them into that warm, welcoming relationship. And now he says there's a challenge. And that challenge is to put on that yoke. I'm going to guess that most of us here today would say that we want to know God. That we want to experience the life that he created us to live. We want to thrive in that life. But it doesn't just magically happen. We receive that life through learning from Jesus. And we learn from Jesus by taking on his yoke, by learning his work, by walking with him and working with him. And we can look at what Jesus did in his day, but the only way we'll know what Jesus is doing today is to keep walking with Jesus in his word and rely on his Holy Spirit to direct us. Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus isn't saying, all you need to do is just sit back and do nothing. What he's saying is, as Eugene Peterson uh, translated Matthew 11 in the message version, he says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And learn the unforced rhythms of grace. When we walk with Jesus in that kind of relationship and grace, then we discover the breakthrough. The breakthrough. And you will find rest for your souls. Remember, we're in this battle every single day. And that battle, whether you realize it or not, causes tension, causes weariness in your soul, your soul being the control center for your life, that part where you make decisions. And Jesus says, you'll find rest there with me. Let's bring up the invitation challenge slide again. Again, most of us like to hang out in the cozy zone, but some of us get down in the bored zone and, and maybe a lot of us live in that stress zone. But to go from the cozy zone over to the breakthrough zone, it doesn't just happen. We can't just cross the line usually. What usually happens is there's something that begins to happen that makes us start to say, wait a minute, is this really the relationship that I thought it was with Jesus? And maybe that starts to take us down into the board zone a little bit. But then as we keep hearing Jesus call as we keep hearing his challenge that he puts before us it puts us into that stress zone and we begin to think oh wait a minute I feel distance from Jesus but but I'm feeling this high call but Jesus keeps wanting to remind us come to me come to me spend time with me I'll show you I'll show you how to do it I will teach you and so he invites us, and then we experience the breakthrough as we respond to his high challenge and his high invitation. Notice that Jesus says there in Matthew 11 that you'll find rest for your soul. It's not release from outward obligations, but it's rest for your soul. And we all need rest for our soul. And remember, Jesus has invited us into his yoke 
And he promises that if we receive his offer, he, he says, I will give you rest. So what's the conclusion of it all? I guess it boils down to, will you and I add to Jesus' frustration? That frustration that comes when people enjoy listening to Jesus, but they don't want to surrender to a daily walk of learning from him, resulting in obedient living. That means they carry out his work in this world. Or will you and I accept Jesus' invitation to come to him, admitting that we need help? that we can't do it on our own? Will we lean into his challenge? Lean into the challenge that says, I'll take on his yoke. I'll learn how to walk and live a life like God created you and me to live. Will you and I experience the breakthrough, the rest for our soul as we abide and walk and work with Jesus? A book that I was reading for a class through TCM a few years ago referred to the writings of a man by the name of John Howard Yoder. And a quote that stood out to me then in that book, and I ran across again a couple months ago, still stands out to me, is this. The real issue is not whether Jesus can make sense in a world far from Galilee but whether when he meets us in our world, as he does, in fact, we want to follow him. See, that's the real issue for you and me. Do we want to follow Jesus? Do we want to be changed by him? Do we want to find rest for our souls in him? Let me conclude this morning with the words from the prophet Isaiah, whom God inspired about 700 years before Jesus walked the earth to give us a word picture of the eternal God in Isaiah's day, as well as a prophecy about Jesus the Messiah in Matthew chapter 11 and Jesus today. Isaiah writes these words in Isaiah chapter 40 beginning with verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, and thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, that, Father, we can meet you, we can meet Jesus in your word. We can come to him. We can respond to his challenge to take on his yoke, 
and we can find rest for our souls. Rest by finding out how to live life like you created us and desire us to live. And Father, when we live life that way, even though we're active, even though we're doing your work, it's rest for our souls because we find that we are doing what you created us to do. We find our sweet spot, so to speak. And so, Father, would you continue to speak to us, to teach us as we make ourselves available to you, as we come to Jesus, as we learn from him. Would you continue to make us into the people that you desire us to be, people who love and follow you and obey you, and people who make disciples who will make disciples. Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' name, for his sake and for his glory. Amen.